Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 349 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight we have our deep dive episode. And tonight that deep dive is going to be sort of into the middle part of the pool, right? When it goes from the shallow and there's that line and it sort of drops off really sharp before you get to the diving board side. That's where we're going to be at when we talk about Docker. And this came up because we had some questions come up about installing certain applications on Linux distributions in our Discord server. So we do do technical support, you know, on a certain limited basis, I guess. And uh, there are lots of people hanging out in the Discord who have lots of different fields of expertise. So if you have questions, please join our Discord. The link is on the website and it's also enunciated on Twitter fairly frequently, and in our outro. So join us on the Discord. There's always somebody to talk to. There's like tech live streams going on all the time. It's just a pretty cool place to be. And we're trying to make it even cooler every day of the year. But right now we have a podcast to do. So let's go ahead and do it. And we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So as I've said, episode number 349 is going to be all about Docker. And I'm just going to sit here and let Bill talk. Go ahead, Bill. Tell us about Docker. Don't fall into the deep end. Whatever you do, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to really do that. It gets out there. It, it does. Docker yeah. gets very, very deep, and we're not going that deep. But we are going to give you enough to get started with it, uh, to use it, and to know a little bit about it at a fundamental level, so that if you want to dive deeper, you'll be able to. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and start by saying if you want to dive deeper, you might have a good opportunity to sign up for DockerCon that already occurred uh, uh, last week, but you can get all the content online if you just register and you can just watch all the content <laughs> from DockerCon. Um, so there's a lot of good information in that. So uh, we'll add that as like a little early teaser that you probably want to go do right now if you're listening. <laughs> There's also, I can't remember, can't remember the YouTube channel that I found, but if you do a search for like Docker tutorial, it's like the first thing that comes up on YouTube and they put a whole series of beginner Docker information all together in like a two and a half hour tutorial. And if you just watch that thing through, you're going to feel like, you know, a lot about Docker. So, so that's go. why Russ is all educated now, right? It's, I'm all uh, I'm, I'm slightly educated about Docker, and uh, I'll put that as a resource in the show notes as well, so you can find it if you I don't know forget how to Google at some point. But anyway, is uh, it the Docker for for beginners full course? I believe it is. It's from like Cloud 
something kale it's cody cloud with a k.com yeah 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 Yeah, that sounds good yep so So anyway so you got all the resources up front let's talk a little bit about what docker is uh docker is uh several several components basically but uh docker uh, is basically the docker engine and uh the docker engine is an open source containerization technology for building and containerizing your applications uh docker engine acts as a client server application with uh, a server with a long-running daemon process, DockerD, um, APIs, which specify interfaces that the programs can use to talk to and instruct, instruct the Docker daemon, a command line interface client uh, called Docker, and let's see, the, the CLI, the command line interface, uses Docker's API to control and interact with the Docker daemon <clears throat> through scripting or direct CLI commands, basically allowing you to work with the container in your local shell and also see what the container's doing and stuff like that. So why are we even talking about containers? You know, because like, you know, Linux and the ham shack and, and all that stuff, just because it runs on Linux. Well, Docker runs just about on everything. <laughs> Docker is cross-platform. We should also point out here before we go too much further that we're going to be talking, I'm pretty sure, specifically about the community edition of Docker, which is the free one. Right. There, There is an enterprise version of Docker if you want to get all the extra fancy stuff that you don't really need unless someone in your organization is paying for it. But if you go to docs.docker.org, I think, <laughs> um, there's, there's like a link to uh, download and install procedure right there, and you can be up and running with Docker on your distribution of choice within 10 minutes. And then, of course, there's a, there's a bit of a learning curve, and we're going to try and help you through that right now. Right. Now, most people, if they you know have Ubuntu, <clears throat> which we've always told you, go with Ubuntu. It's so easy, right? But now don't do GNOME. Because <laughs> <laughs> your system will lock up. No. U- Ubuntu uh, budgie. Yeah, that's Ubuntu budgie for the win. Uh, yeah, so if you happen to go into your console and you did a sudo apt install Docker, um, you would see probably two options if you're run, running focal fossa or whatever it is. Um, you would probably see one that's called docker.io and one that's out of a snap just called Docker. And it would say, hey, which one do you want to install? I see two here because you used apt instead of apt get. If you did apt get, then it probably would have tried to just install the snap. <laughs> but I don't know that. Anyway, um, either way, you don't want any of those. You do want to go to the docker.com uh, website and you actually want to install using the instructions there. So if you're if you're in Ubuntu, it has you add the repository, very similar to how you would add a PPA to your system, and they maintain the builds for for your system. And they have builds for uh, you know like for Ubuntu, they have it for you know 64-bit, they have it for ARM, ARM 64, PowerPC, believe it or not, 64, <laughs> and S320. Uh, so they have all those builds. Uh, they also have instructions for Fedora. Uh, I think they're up to Fedora Core 31. They normally are a little slow keeping up with that. I know I was well into a month or two in Fedora Core 31 before they finally had working builds on that. Not quite sure what the uh, disconnect is there. Uh, Debian, they have same thing for, you know, obviously for Ubuntu, it's very similar. Um, and what else? They also have just have binaries. If you just want to download the binaries and, and run them, you can, you can do that too. Uh, if you're running Mac or Windows, obviously you can install... You know, with a package file or, you know, an MSI or whatever they have downloadable for those uh, operating systems Uh, for uh, let's see more Docker stuff here Uh, for Mac and Windows. Not like this is a Mac and Windows show, but you do get a little desktop thingy called Docker desktop. It's uh, it's kind of 
interesting. <laughs> it exposes a lot of the what a desktop user would want to use. Um, so we're not really going to go over that. We did put a bunch of information in the show notes from it, and it's all, also it's all from the website. So you can uh, you can just go in there and look at that. Um, it even allows you to kind of step into the scary realm of Kubernetes and stuff like that, um, which is a whole nother thing. <laughs> but uh, so what, why would you use Docker? So, you know, um, if you know anything about Docker or you know anything about containerization, you're kind of thinking, OK, so this is a uh, containerized operating system. And uh, I mean, what is that? What good is that? It's, you know, it'll run a web service. It'll run a, a database, you know. Why would why would I as a ham radio guy even need it? Well, uh, a little while ago, I don't know if you remember, but uh, when I was running Solus, uh, I tried some various things with Docker, uh, including running GUI apps through Docker, basically allowing my local uh, Windows X Windows <coughs> to to show the window from the container. And the first one I tried was Skype. So, and I used it for while we were still using Skype for doing recording and it worked fine. All of the video was a little weird. <laughs> it was definitely a, a down, downscaled a little bit through that. But that was like my first jump into using Docker as more of an application container for a GUI app inside of, uh, inside of, inside of your distribution. And it can simplify things, especially when you run into issues like uh, one of our, uh, listeners did. I'm just going to scroll back in the chat room so I can remember his call sign. Uh, yeah, KN4IIY, Eric, um, was uh, trying to get uh, the latest version of Chirp running on his system. And we noticed that uh, A, <laughs> it still has a bunch of crappy Python 2 in it, and they haven't updated to Python 3, so getting it to run happily inside of 2004 is uh it's probably not recommended because you do not want to put a bunch of uh, python 2 stuff on there plus the build stuff is not really set up with the right uh with the right uh 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 requirements <laughs> not requirements uh dependencies to allow you to easily install it and then if you go to actually downloading or getting the the the, the git um package out of there and trying to compile it yourself or you know, run it with the Python executables, you all of a sudden run into the same problems. Like, oh, I'm running Python 3 and I can't find this module. So you go and you pip install that module and all of a sudden, oh, it still doesn't work. Oh, because they put a Python 3 module instead of Python 2 module. Well, instead of going through all of that mess, uh, I happened to realize that they had Docker Chirp, which had all the information in order for you to run this GUI app in a Docker container. And it literally took me like two or three minutes. I did install the docker.io because I didn't even think about it. <laughs> I just went and installed it and I cloned the Docker chirp directory. And it has a, this is the cool part about Docker uh, in order to get a Docker install. So I guess we'll talk a little bit about the Docker, the Docker file and what exactly is happening with the Docker file. And I guess that's where we're going to get into images, right? Uh, we're going to talk about your base image well yes we are but let me let me hit my little bullet point about concept uh, concepts here conceptualization okay. of docker because uh, i think that's important before we get into the difference between images and containers at least as far as docker is concerned so you did mention virtualization and 
I think it's important to sort of understand that containerization is not virtualization. There's actually a very specific difference in that virtualization contains an entire operating system. So a virtual machine has an operating system and then it has applications built upon that. A container shares the host system's kernel and runs applications on top of that shared kernel in a container. So it does not contain its own operating system. So you can't have a Windows Docker container on a Linux machine. That's not possible. <laughs> um, because the container is using your host system's uh, kernel. So that that's important. And the reason that's important is because it makes containers very, very lightweight and very fast because it, there's no overhead from a hypervisor and an additional operating system that, that you need to run the whole thing. So that being said, what a container is, is something that runs a specific application or a specific procedure and then exits. Now, that application could be something like Node.js, which spins up a web server, so the container will continue to run until something happens to that web service. But the idea being that the container is only alive as long as the thing the container was designed to do is doing it. As soon as it exits, uh, whether gracefully or not, the container goes away. So um, there, there's, of course, a lot more to all of this. And we're going to hopefully get to all of that. But I did want to stress the difference between a container and a virtual machine because uh, they are very different things. And so we're talking about running applications inside of a container, which is using your host machine's kernel to run an application. But it allows you to put dependencies and application stacks and networking between containers that are completely separate from your host machine. So you're... You know, in this particular case, we're talking about Chirp has Python 2 in it. And so that Docker image is going to contain Python 2 code and your host system may not have any Python 2 at all on it, um, but it will run fine inside the Docker container so that you don't have to pollute your system with Python 2. Um, it all gets encapsulated in that one thing just for the ability to do something like run Chirp. Uh, and that allows you a nice bit of segmentation between your host system and your running applications. So hopefully it didn't sidetrack us too far, but <laughs> no, no, that's good. Okay. So continue. So, so the Docker file back on this uh, Docker chirp does a, does a, defines exactly what's going to happen inside that container. And in this case, it uses a base image of Ubuntu 16.04. Because that was when we were all happy about using Python too, <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, it uh, in order for it to set up, it runs a few commands. So one of that is, of course, update and install software properties common, and then add a PPA. Those evil PPAs that we tell you that are going to break every time you do a major build change because they're not targeted, and that's the problem here is that this particular PPA does not have a target for focal. Uh, in fact, it's uh, it, they do have a target, but they're not building any files because of their, uh, if you look at their integration or their uh, continuous integration 
server or whatever, it's showing failed build, failed build, failed build <laughs> for all the vocals. Uh, so it runs uh, the uh, apt uh, repository PPA update, install the chirp daily, clean, gets rid of all the uh, garbage in it, and then it executes a single command of running user bin chirp w, which then would execute the actual window. So that is the that is the whole Docker file that that it contains. Now, what's really cool about these these Docker images is uh, once you have an image downloaded, you don't have to download it again. And any changes you make to an image, like running commands against it, adds just a small a small image attached to that image. Now, you might want to correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, the way it's, I understood it is it's not another image. It's another layer on the image. The yeah, image, the image kind of wraps it, right? Right. It, well, it, it actually stacks on top, basically. So you have, you have like a, I can't remember if it's JSON or YAML. I, I assume it's JSON. Um, no, well, it's not even, it's neither of those. It's that, it's, um, that sort of Docker syntax. Yeah. <laughs> um, that has like, uh, what's the thing? It's like from, it'll say like from yeah. Ubuntu. Which means download do start with the Ubuntu image, mm-hmm. and then it'll do things like apt update, apt install, you know, Python, blah 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 blah, and then it'll do that. And this is all happening inside of that Docker image. And then you can add to that. You can put your own stuff in there, like you can have it do something else, add more packages, whatever you want. And all that does is it layers on top of that whatever you add to it, and that rolls that all into that docker image and then when you run docker run the name of that image that's when you get a container and that container does the thing that you told it to execute in this case we're talking specifically about running chirp and then it will run chirp and you'll get you know the chirp gui or whatever yes Uh, pop right up yep but the nice part is is like as you make these these step changes each run command and stuff like that is is a is a is kind of a separate piece to it. And those pieces you can actually, if you build something else, let's say you were building a Docker file for another application, let's say CQR log or something like that, um, you could basically continue to use the same Docker file and just keep adding to it to create this new Docker uh, container that. You don't have to re-download the setup. You don't have to re-download the Ubuntu sixteen oh four. You don't have to re-download the instructions of the update because you already have all that stuff. It knows what that actually is. It keeps that stored so it doesn't have to redo stuff. So this is why people like using Docker for you know major deploys and stuff like that because it it keeps all the components there. So they're already there. If they're already ran once on that system, it's available instantly. And this is why places that do like a lot of Docker stuff you know, you say, oh, you want to spin up a, a, a Ubuntu box. They can do it in seconds because it's already there. They already have an image built up with it already updated to, to, to today. And all they have to do is add one more thing, which is setting your root password and shipping you off to your own little area. <laughs> so Docker is really, really cool. Uh, you know, just in the fact that you could do a lot of, lot of interesting stuff server-wise and deployment-wise and stuff like that. But what I find is really cool is that you can use it as well to sort of behave like a containerized application, like a snap or a, like I say, an app image or something like that, that really doesn't touch the system except for on those layers that it only needs to touch. So it doesn't pollute your system with having to add PPAs to your base system. So you'd have this PPA from 
Docker from Chirp that is just purely in that container. It doesn't affect your system, which is clean. Very, very, very clean. <laughs> and um, so the, the moral of the story is with this whole Docker thing is don't be afraid to find these Docker file installs <laughs> and, and try them because they, they actually do work and it is, is quite nice. Um, if there's anything to complain about it from the GUI perspective, it's just the fact that it's probably as good as like an app image and meaning that uh, it, it, it uses some of the windowing elements, but like the font could be different. So it might not maintain the system font, but it's just purely cosmetic. So I don't know if you can scroll back into the chat room and see my screenshot. It's not really my fonts, but it is the right windowing stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it does, it does work. Um, and one, one uh, big thing to note there though, is that um, as opposed to like an app image or a snap, which utilize the host systems, networking and other resources, a Docker container has its own resource stack and its own network stack. And it's actually in that sense, like a virtual machine, because you can use commands to actually connect to it. So in other words, if you have a, if you have an Ubuntu Docker that's running something, you can use a Docker command to actually get into that Ubuntu instance. And it will be just like you connected to an Ubuntu machine, an Ubuntu virtual machine, except that Ubuntu virtual machines kernel is actually your host machines kernel. And it's just set up an entirely different environment with a different network stack and, and all of that. But it's just like being in a different machine, but it's, it's so much lighter weight than a virtual machine with a hypervisor and all that. And a snap, and an app image just rolls package, you know, package and application dependencies into a build, but it doesn't create that virtual environment with those additional stacks and stuff. Right. And as Don's pointing out in the chat room, uh, Doc, he, he likes to use Docker because it, you can put all your backend containers in a totally non-routable network. So these things can be totally isolated from everything else, where a snap is really an app image really meant to run on your machine. So it kind of comes up and says, okay, you give me, it's like putting a cell phone app, right? You know, it just says, what do you want to give me permissions to? You know, do you want to give me permissions to access your files in your system? Okay, yeah, you want files. Uh, do you give me permission to access your network? And, you know, so on and so forth. So that's kind of like how the snaps work. And, well, app image is basically the same same way. Um, and I guess flat packs would also be very similar in that, that fashion. Yep. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the notes. Now that we've kind of gone out the door to uh, the simplicity side. Um, uh, what else is there? All right. So if you want to get into Docker and doing some more interesting things, so here's where we'll kind of like talk a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> about stuff. And I've used this as well. So let's say you're, you're, um, you want to uh, do something a little more interesting instead of just run a single, single thing. Let's say your thing, uh, your, your, your service or whatever you're trying to bring up needed both a database and, you know, a GUI or database and a web server or something like that. Like you wanted to spin up a little web website with a database all, all together. Well, a great way to do it is Docker Compose. And this is uh, something you can install from the repo. This is just a uh, sudo app to install docker-compose. And what this is, is a, a Compose is a tool for defining and running multi-container Docker applications. With Compose, this is where your YAML file comes in. 
You use a YAML file to configure your application services. And then with a single command, you create and start all the services at once. This is uh, really cool because you do Docker Compose up and it comes right up. <laughs> and uh, I, I have used this for testing out many, many, many pieces of software, especially like, uh, you know, CMSs and stuff like that. Do you want to test like a SAN, you know, an already pre-configured CMS on your system? You can normally, they have a Docker file that uh, is set up to run with Docker Compose and uh, it's, it's the bomb. So Compose works in all environments, production, staging, development, testing, as well as CI workflows, meaning you can, you can, you can do custom stuff in each environment. So let's say, you know, maybe you have, uh, you know, staging can see production database, but in a read only mode, you can actually set that up. Uh, you know, you know, you can set very customizable things for each level of environment. And this was more getting into DevOps work when you're doing all this stuff, but, um, it's still pretty slick. <laughs> Using Compose is, a, is basically a three-step process. You define the app's environment with a Docker file so it can be reproduced anywhere. You define the services that make up your app and the Docker Compose.yml so that they can be run together in an isolated environment. Nice part about it is these, this isolated environment connects these containers together so they natively can talk together. And then you run Docker Compose up to Compose and start and run your entire app, like I said before. So uh, that is... Another thing you can do with Docker, which is really nice, uh, again, for our purposes for this, is really looking at the, you know, launching some of these apps that you can't find a snap for, you can't find a PPA with a target for, uh, and, but you can find a Docker file. And I'll tell you another app you can find a Docker file for that I just found a little while ago is SDR Angel. So there's another one. If you don't want to compile it yourself, there is a Docker image. For it, so <laughs> you can uh, you can uh, you know Docker uh, Docker install that, and then uh, you won't have to go through the pain and suffering of actually compiling it. Although, if you look at the Docker file, which is kind of cool because you can see exactly what it's going to do, it actually does everything that you would do <laughs> by hand by compiling it and everything else. So, uh, if you go into uh, I'm just going into their Docker file here. They start out with a uh, they started with Ubuntu 20.04 as their base. How about that? That's actually updated fairly recently. Oh, yeah, two days ago. So it was just updated two days ago. I'll tell you, uh, let me go back real quick. Docker Chirp was uh, the Docker file was made two years ago, and it will still bring up the current version that was just built last night. So that's the cool part about Docker file. If you're pointing to something like a PPA daily build, you literally can just rebuild this thing, and it's, it it's, doesn't matter. That, that file's done. You don't have to mess around with it and rebuild it. So this one was uh, done uh, just two days ago. It's, uh, yeah, it basically does the same stuff. It runs uh, all the app get, all those packages you need to get for uh, installing all the dependencies. It uh, does, uh, oh, it even builds everything in that favorite directory of yours, Russ, the opt build and opt install. <laughs> 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 but it's doing it in a container, so it's not mucking up your file system. So you're not putting files in your opt directory that don't belong. Those naughty, naughty build and install directories. Um, but it actually builds everything, including all the devices. And uh, yeah, look at that. That is uh, that is pretty slick. So I, I'll try this later on. Um, I won't do it now because it will take a little bit of time to do it. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this simplifies some stuff, you know, especially for things that you can't find a deb for, you can't find a snap, you can't find a flat pack, you can't find an app image. And sometimes you can find those things, but they just don't work. This is an alternative that you shouldn't be afraid of. And 
you know, even though I didn't follow the Docker docs, you know, install stuff, actually installing their community edition that they specifically build, you know, I installed the docker.io Docker from Ubuntu out of the repo. It all worked. So even if you uh, take the easy way out, <laughs> install it and maybe not the quite the, the right way, you, you're probably still going to have some success. Uh, obviously, I still had success. Um, but yeah, I you know definitely hit the Docker doc site and and download or install you know Docker Community Edition for your system using their instructions. They're very clear and even tells you how to undo some of your messes. Like if you've done a Docker IO install. It has you actually remove all those uh, those uh, packages out of your system and clean any mess up that's left behind from it. it. Gives you all those instructions for that, and it gives you very clear numbered instructions to get started. And I'm pretty sure anybody could do this. This is this is not rocket scientist <laughs> science. <laughs> <laughs> and you do not have to get into the gory details of exactly how this works. You do not have to go edit Docker files at most. You know, you do need to do a Git clone, but you could probably also just download the tarball of the Git directory that has everything in there and unzip or untarball, ungzip. Uh, so it's it's easy and it's just it's a low barrier, I think, to really kind of get into using some of these things that will help you, you know, run applications that you need, you know, like Chirp that are not available on Focal Fossa right now. And uh, what do you want to go over beyond what I said? <laughs> I'm trying to look at the notes here. Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as running a pre-built application, it's really simple. And the way Docker works, if you do like, if you're not t- talking about one of these applications where you're downloading from a repo that's already got a Docker built, but you just want to spin up a Node.js website or run Nginx or fire up a MySQL database or something like that, a lot of this stuff is already pre-built on Docker. And the way Docker works is if you have the CE edition built on your machine and you say Docker run MySQL to start up a MySQL instance, if you don't have it on your system, it will go to Docker, download it, and run it automatically. You don't have to do anything about it. And you can also do that for anything else. There are specific user directories that are hosted on Docker as well sort of like GitLab and GitHub are, but for Docker instances, uh, those are all accessible, you know, automatically if you if you specify them. They're sort of specified like a PPA with like a username slash whatever the Docker image is. And and all that stuff will will download, you know, build build the image and run the container automatically just by using the Docker run command. So that's really simple. I did I did put in here some basic Docker commands that might be useful just for people to play around with. Um, you know, Docker run, like I said, just will run an image, will run a Docker image and create a container. Um, if you want to find out what Docker containers are running on your system, you can just use Docker PS. Because, like, for example, when you run that Chirp Docker, if you want to see if it's actually running, you can use Docker PS and it will show you. That will show you the ones that are actually running currently. You can use PS-A to show you the ones that are currently running and the ones that have run because the containers that have terminated are still on the system. So they're not taking up resources or anything, but you can see a history of what's been run. If you want to remove one of those terminated Dockers, you can use Docker RM. 
That's pretty straightforward. You use Docker RM in the name of the Docker uh, container. Docker images will show you all of the images that have been installed on your machine. So if you install that um, that one for Chirp, then when you do Docker images, you'll get a list and that one will show up there. If you want to remove that one for some reason, you can use Docker RMI, which is remove images. But you'll have to make sure that the, any dependencies or running containers will are stopped and removed or it will complain. <laughs> you know, it'll say, no, don't delete me, don't yeah, delete me. I'm still running, don't delete me. But it will <laughs> let you know. It will let you know. <laughs> if you want to get like the MySQL Docker or the Node.js Docker without running it, you can use pull. That's sort of like a git command, essentially, but use docker pull instead of git pull. Once you have a Docker container actually running, like say it's an Ubuntu container or something like that, if you actually want to run a command inside that container, you can use docker exec, and that will actually run whatever command you specify inside the container. So that might be something that's useful to you for some reason. If you need to run a Docker not in the foreground, because the default is foreground, then you have to use the dash D flag that will run it in detached mode. That's important if you need to run something and let it continue to run and not be in the foreground. Um, let's see. You can use Docker attach. Let's see. I can't remember. Uh, no, I've left my notes off and I can't remember if attach is to actually log into the container or to reconnect a detached container. I think it's to. I think it's to reconnect a, a detached container. So if you have a container running, you know, with a dash D flag and you need it to come back into the foreground, use Docker attach. Um, if you have a Docker that requires input from standard in, it normally will not do that. You have to give it a dash I flag. That's important. <laughs> and if you need, well, actually that's for stand. Yeah, that's for, oh boy. So the, the Docker attach is for uh, attaching local standard input and output error streams to re a running container. Okay. So that's the way you can see all the debugging that comes out of the whatever commands are actually being ran inside the uh, application or the container. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And sometimes if you need to interact, um, like keyboard interact with a Docker container, you would use like dash IT that will map standard in and standard out from the container to the host. So that's obviously important. If you have, because the bridge network in Docker containers is its own network, it's 172.17.0.1, I think, is like the gateway. And then each subsequent container, as it gets spun up, gets in the next IP address, like 172.17.0.2, so on and so forth. And that's so that all the containers can talk to each other. But if you need to expose that network to your host network so that you can get to a containerized web server or something like that you use dash p to do the port mapping so you would do dash p and then you would start with the host port and then colon the containerized port to do port forwarding uh you can use dash v to map file systems so let's because because containers are are designed to be temporary but let's say you were doing MySQL in one and you want you wanted the varlib MySQL database directory to be persistent, you can map that using dash V to be your host's varlib MySQL or some other directory so that if the container gets blown away, the MySQL data doesn't go away. So that if you spin up that container again, 
it will have persistent data. Um, Docker inspect allows you, it gives you a JSON dump of all the details of your container so that you know all of the things that are going on with it, including its network information and lots of other juicy details. If you have to set environment variables inside the container, you can use dash E. Uh, you can also change the networking stack inside your containers using the dash dash network. And we're not going to go too deep into that. You can, you can look up all this stuff if, you're, if you really want to, but you can have, you can have the containers use their standard bridge network. You can have them use the host network if that's important to you. And you can have them use no network if you want them to be completely isolated and you can use uh, docker network ls to show what container networks are actually in use and you can also have instead of mapping a host volume to docker containers you can have you can have volumes that are created for containers using docker volume create which will allow you to um do the same sort of thing where you can have um persistent storage it will just create a volume on the host system that will be reloaded upon each container being spun up i think that's all i had that's i mean you can you can get way deep into this but those are some basic things you can do with docker specifically like if you wanted to create your own docker application stack and you can you can actually use like docker run with multiple instances and docker build to create a multi-container application stack without going through the process of uh, using Compose or Composer. Um, but Composer sort of makes things ultimately easier if you're if you're really getting into the development platform and wanting to spin this stuff up and just make it a one-click or one-command thing to get everything set up and running. Yeah, and then you get into Kubernetes and you can spin up like multiple containers. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking you can about have, Kubernetes. You can have it grow and shrink as needed. <laughs> yeah, Kubernetes yeah. Um, in that invokes a new term called orchestration, mm -hmm. which exists on top of containerization, and that's a technology we're not going into. And Don, Don is talking about mapping uh, physical devices like uh, USB ports and stuff. So you can do that. If you need to, for example, SDR Angel needs to have access to certain devices. Mm -hmm. um, if you need to have your RTL SDR or whatever have access to the container, there are commands that allow you to map uh, those devices from the host system into the container so it will have access to it. Right. And and most of these items, or sorry, most of, most of these uh, software that we're talking about, like SDR Angel and uh, Chirp, have a shell script that you run that feeds in all these things into the Docker run command line. So you don't have to do this <laughs> because it would be very tedious for you to have to type all that stuff out. Um, you know, some of the things you can use to map with your, uh, you know, tech V or your, you know, minus minus volume, whatever you want to call it um, is, uh, you know, sound, you can, you can map sound, you can map, users and sessions and pulse and all this other good stuff <laughs> you can do more than just file systems uh so it's it's very powerful you can check out uh if you take a look at the docker chirp that we've uh linked into the show notes or the uh docker for sdr angel you know take a look at the uh, run.shell script or the run.sh script and that will show you 
basically the magic, if you want to call it using air quotes here, magic of making this work in the, for a GUI app. And yeah. uh, I, I do want to say that unlike some of the technologies we've talked about on this program, where there's a steep learning curve in order to get into whatever that technology might be. Um, Docker is not one of those. The, the learning curve, like just to use it takes almost no effort whatsoever, but to even know a, enough to sort of do your own thing with it doesn't take a whole lot of effort either. I mean, I did, I was talking about this earlier. I did a two hour tutorial on YouTube and I feel pretty confident that if I wanted to spin up a multi container application stack, I could do it. The, the whole idea behind this Docker thing is that they make it pretty easy to jump right into. And then if you really want to go whole hog and use, you know, the build stack or the composer stack or get into things like orchestration with Kubernetes and stuff like that, you can, you can really dive in as far as you want, but just to get things up and running and to use applications inside of containers using Docker is pretty dirt simple. Yeah. And, and if you, if you do a little development, this is a godsend for doing Python development. You know, you thought using virtual environments was great with Python by not polluting your, uh, you know, pip environment. <laughs> this is even cleaner because you just have no, no remnants of any of that stuff on your system. And, uh, you can, uh, you know, spin up your, you know, Django app, your, you know, whatever fast API app, whatever, uh, in a totally containerized, isolated space where you're not having to worry about, uh, you know, messing up the packages because you're doing other development for another <laughs> another project uh it, it makes it super 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 clean and you can obviously do uh you know net core on this so you can kind of do windows ah no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you can do microsoft stuff uh net core runs great on this as well because it runs on linux so there you go you can uh, do lots of stuff um yeah and the more you get into it just like you found out, I mean, just your light bulbs start going off. And it's like, oh, I could use it for that. I could use it for this. And the learning curve is not, it's not that hard. It's, it, it's surprisingly easy. And even if you're using, you know, not, not Linux or whatever, uh, you know, they make it easy to run Linux containers on your system. <laughs> so if you're running Windows, you can run Docker and bring up an Ubuntu image and everything else. And, uh, it'll play just like as if you were running it on a Linux box. So it's another cool way to try some stuff out and build stuff. Now you don't get to use the uh, the GUI stuff because you don't really have the the X windows running. <laughs> so you can't run the trickery of using X host and passing that display back and forth between the two. But if you had like X win running or something similar to that, uh, you, you could. <laughs> and then you would have uh, all your, uh, all your uh, Linuxy apps uh, running in Windows. Ooh, hick. <laughs> <laughs> but you could do it. You could. It, why why do you good. bring up such things? Oh, I evil. know. I know. It's evil. Evil stuff. But um, yeah, the magic that is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Docker is, is so neat and so cool. And it's been around for a while now. I've, I've used Docker on and off for many years i i don't even know how many years has it been around like five six years now yeah Maybe it's been more. around quite some time yeah yeah um i remember playing it when it first started coming out and started kind of gaining traction and yeah i've, I've kind of used it on and off i don't really think about it 
anymore. And I think I should, I should, oh, I should always go back and look at it more. Cause obviously we're using it at work. Uh, but it's sort of transparent to my daily stuff until you have to get into messing around with the continuous integration and automated stuff that's happening on the build servers and all that's running on Docker and, and now Kubernetes. So it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's kind of out there. Even when you don't think about it, it's, it's being used in lots and lots of places. Digital ocean uses it. Obviously Amazon has some containerization service. Um, yeah. So the key is don't be afraid to try it out and just use it as, as simple as your, uh, you know, I can install, you know, notepad or something like that. <laughs> That's fine. That's all the skill you need to get Docker running. And, uh, you know, you can download three files from, uh, from, uh, from GitHub and, uh, build out your your docker docker image and then run it it's it's super super simple and that's that's the whole point it's it's made to make it simple to do those kind of deployment stuff so you only basically write that deployment information once and then you just constantly reuse it so uh definitely take advantage of that and anything else and because it's containerized you can do it without screwing up your host system and you can also run any number of container instances of any particular image that you want because that's what it's supposed to do. If you want to spin up one Node.js instance, you can do that. If you want to spin up 20 Node.js instances, you can do that. <laughs> it's uh, just a matter of running it more than one time. Yeah, and so. you can get into doing details of how much memory it takes and everything else. So, I mean, you can start narrowing down exactly what parameters it has to live within. So yeah, if you had a if you had an app running on Node.js and it was uh, constantly uh, <laughs> getting into race conditions and blowing out your memory, um, you could have a kit basically a kill spot where it would just say you know once it exceeds this amount of memory, you basically kill the container. So yep, and that's where things like orchestration comes in, like Kubernetes that allows you to manage that sort of thing. So you can have seven instances load balance, and one of one of them gets blown away, everything is still cool and it spins up another one and so on and so forth. So but again, we're not going there. <laughs> but we did. We, we we did very briefly just we're to just, give we, a little we keep tiptoeing on that line, you know, we're like, we don't want quite want to go into the deep end on it. We just uh just like exactly. oh. that's what I said at the very beginning of the show. We're teetering just, on that just, edge. Just, so just, just getting there. <laughs> and uh yeah, so uh yeah, especially right now with uh like we mentioned uh, at the very beginning uh, all these online conferences and everything else. There's a ton of information out there that's free. <laughs> Go get it. Consume it all. Uh, I'm still, like I said, going through all the DockerCon stuff. Uh, I, I watched a couple of them yesterday. And uh, as soon as I have some more time, I'm going to watch some more just to kind of see what uh, what's coming out, what's new, what what people are using. And, uh, you know, yeah, like here they have build and deploy multi-container applications to Amazon Web Services. So if you like paying the Amazon bill, which I don't, <laughs> you could do that. Uh, GitOps in a regular sector. Let's see what else they have here. Uh, COVID-19. How about that? Uh, how to build and run Node apps with Docker and Compose. There you go. You can go and watch that. So yeah, lots of stuff out there. Um, and, endless and resources on Docker for sure. Yeah. It's been out for a, a while <laughs> and uh there's tons of information on it, way more than we could ever even touch. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to convey that you can use it and not be afraid to use it or not think it's that complicated that uh, it's going to mess up my system, whatever. You know, No, it's not. It's very simple. It's very lightweight. It doesn't impact your system. You'll totally forget that you have Docker D running 
And uh, I don't even know how much memory it's taking for my system. Let's see if I can even find Docker D here. Let's see. Just get rid of that. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if we can find it. No, 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 no. Docker, where are you at? Oh, it's so small. I can't even find it. How about that? Uh, maybe. It's not a hypervisor, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's It's tiny. And yeah. It's tiny. <laughs> keep, keep telling us how tiny it is, Bill. <laughs> it's so tiny, I can't even find how much memory it's using. I'm so sorry. I was trying to sort by it, but I can't find the stupid command. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. God, I hate this stuff. All right. So I'm going down. Give me a second. You speak about something else while I'm looking for my... <laughs> while you're trying to find your... Docker. I had to go through the 5 million <laughs> Chromes. Thank you, Chrome, for putting 5 million tabs up and running. I thought Chrome came up as like EXE or something, or using HTOP or... Yeah, so it's opt slash opt. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, it's so small, you don't even have to worry about it. But... Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so you, your system will never know it's running. That's, that's the only important thing you need to know. So anyway, I think... I think we've tried to make the point that docker is something that anyone can use and probably should use especially if there's a docker out there i mean uh for whatever application it is you're trying to use especially if uh, there's not something in the repo or the ppa is broken or you know whatever issue there might be out there see if you can find a docker for it because you know they're really easy to use they separate resources they're safe and the learning curve is pretty shallow. So. Okay, Docker D is running 1.5 gig, so it's not tiny, tiny. It's yeah. pretty tiny. On this system, it's tiny because I got 32 gigs of RAM. So. <laughs> that seems like a lot, actually, just for Docker D to be running. I can, I can look I just, on my system. I just, yeah, I just brought up uh, that image, so it probably just ballooned up because <laughs> I was running the uh, uh, the uh, chirp thing in it. So. All right, let me see how big it is on mine. You can talk about something while I try and find Docker D. Let's mine. see how long it takes him to find it. Okay, well, let's talk about So, yeah, so... Uh, okay, right here, 0. 0.8. 0. 0.8. Oh. Uh, what is that? 0.8%? How oh. do I find out what, like... I'm using oh, HTOP. We can do the math. <laughs> I want to do the math. How much memory do you have? Uh, 0.8%, I have... I don't know. How, how much memory is in this machine? <laughs> Let's That's asking too much now. We're doing I, I know. Now we're getting math. into the hard stuff. Uh, eight gigs. So point. Oh, that's not much then. That's pretty small. This is one percent would be like eight hundred megs. Yeah. So point eight percent of eight gigs is is not much. Tiny. Yeah. Yeah. So yours is really tiny, but you probably didn't just run a chirp instance on you. No, so. I didn't. I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting ready to do the SDR Angel one too to see how that works out. But um, yeah, if there's a, are we getting more questions in the chat room? I don't really see anything new popping up there. No, I don't I see any can, questions now. You I can throw can, it out there and say, we got one bit of feedback to do so we can do that. And if anybody has any questions about Docker or about anything we've talked about tonight, we'll address it after that. But I guess uh, we'll move on to the feedback and I guess I'll read it. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, might as well. Was Cheryl there? She can't read it? Uh, she's wandering around somewhere. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be back for the outro, but I'll read, go ahead and read this. We got an email from Ian, November Victor for Charlie, who says, Gents, greeting from the Atlanta area. The other day I took an old Dell Vostro 3550 laptop and installed Mint 19.3 Cinnamon on it. 
I'm using the YouTube video series from early 2018 on building out my Linux Hamshack computer. I don't know if that's ours or that's ours. Yeah. Okay. I ran through the entire first video with almost no problems when I'm running into a roadblock. I successfully added the PPAs for CQR log FL and WS JTX. I then ran the command to install the ham radio pure blend packages app install ham radio dash star. Everything looks like it ran, but I have no apps installed. No ham radio start menu item, no install radio apps. I even restarted a couple of times just to make sure this wasn't the issue. Sorry, I'm a recovering wind blows guy. Some habits die hard. <laughs> when I try launching any of the apps from my command prompt, I get the following message. Command app name not found, but can be installed with sudo app install app name. I am confused. I would think the install would have worked flawlessly. Everything to do, everything to this point worked just as shown in Bill's video. I get no errors and anything didn't work, even... Or when I try to run the ham radio pure blend install again, the output simply says all pure blends are at the latest version. <laughs> Any thoughts? Did I inadvertently bork something? Any suggestions on what I should try? Thanks in seven three Ian November Victor for Charlie. Okay, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the problem is mint. And uh, for some reason, and I, this has been my experience on mint. This is why I never, even show mint or display stuff working on mint is that it uh the pure blend the meta packages do not work like literally if you say install ham radio dash all it'll install a package name ham radio dash all that really is nothing <laughs> and it'll say i installed it oh i want ham radio dash satellite yeah sure it'll do that ham radio dash star and it'll get the satellite and all those 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 top level packages but it actually does not process the meta packages. And I do not know why. And I don't know if I want to find out why, but um, maybe I'll download mint 19.3. I think that's the latest and take a look at it and see if I can come up with some instructions for mint users. And this is the one thing with mint that I hate. And uh, well, there's probably more things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first user that had come into this problem with mint. Um, Roy, I can't remember his call sign, but, uh, he stopped and saw us at Hamvention a few times and has sent me numerous emails over the, uh, the years here. And, uh, it's a great guy. He was a mint user too. And I talked him out of it because <laughs> <laughs> he was having these little, there's like nuances, a little bit of like this and that. And, you know, as soon as you start diving into stuff that is maybe not totally just, you know, installing stuff directly out of the uh, software uh, center, the 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 GUI software center and stuff like that. I, I think like some of the stuff is neutered a bit on Mint, and I and I'm not sure why. I'm sure you can find out in the forums and stuff like that on the Mint forums. Um, but uh, but I'll I'll take that as homework, and I will uh, I will look at Mint and see if I can unhate it enough to get instructions on how to get forward. But I would, I would, I would back all those PPAs out. I would not use the PPAs only because like, uh, like WSJTX, even though it will run is probably old because the WSJTX next, um, PPA was really only relevant at the time. By PPA, do you mean meta package? No, the PPAs. Cause there's part of that. That's part of the instructions in that set was installed with PPAs for CQR log. Oh, right, right, right. WSJTX yes. just because they were better, but that's not, that's not the case. Since about 1910. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that I used the old version, but that's what we had when I made those videos. And I know I have I have the new videos and I haven't put them out yet. So 
<laughs> then uh, as soon as I do that, I'll edit the other video. Say, hey, go see that video. <laughs> see the updated video. Don't look at this nasty old one that I, that I, that I <laughs> ran on something that is totally irrelevant now. Thank you, Ubuntu. Um, but yeah, uh, install Ubuntu Budgie, right? That's what we, that's what we're recommending now because it won't goof up. <laughs> it won't, won't mess up your system and lock up your computer. That's right. Yeah. At least for the few computers that we've ran into that problem with. Um, yeah. Yeah. It runs great. Um, but yeah, I'll take a look at Mint. I, I really think it's a mint thing that that's going on there. The instructions mostly would get you most of the way there, um, except for the PPAs. Like I said, the, there's newer packages in the repo that that are better now. Um, and I, I, I feel fairly confident installing them right out of the repo, at least for 2004. I haven't looked at the package builds out of mint to see exactly where those are at, but I'm assuming that it's still it should be using focal if it's the newest. Um, if it's still running on 1804's build, of Ubuntu, because they use the Ubuntu, don't they, for Mint? It's not Debian straight, right? It used to be Debian, but I think it's Ubuntu now, or it has been for some time. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that- I think so. I, I honestly, I'm I'm on the Mintcast Discord, so I'm going to have some questions for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, read the release notes. Uh, Cinnamon. Is that what he installed? Cinnamon? Cinnamon. Okay. So it's based on 1804. So it is older and I would not recommend running mint at all because the 1804 uh, repos are garbage. Yeah. No, just not. Ubuntu budgie. Do it. <laughs> Ubuntu budgie 2004. Download it. You will be happy. And then follow the new videos instructions, which are not out yet. For, forthcoming. Uh, forthcoming. <laughs> Join our discord. I, I'm on all the time. So literally I will, I will answer back. Just, just start making noise in the general channel and I'll answer back because it rings my phone. It rings everything. So and I'm, <laughs> I'm up, <laughs> I'm up most hours of the day. So, uh, yeah, feel free to tag me into uh, discord and I will, uh, I will help you through that process. But yeah, you definitely want to not use mint because it's on 1804. It's a little, uh, a little dated, I think. All right. Well, I think that's a reasonable answer to that query and hopefully we can help ian out more if he needs it um primarily starting with a different operating system but if it gets past that point you know hit us up absolutely in the discord or email or anywhere else and we will do our best to make your ham shack experience the best it can be so with that we have come down to the end of the show we've beat docker to death there are no additional questions in the chat room so this is good i guess but that means Episode number 349 must come to an end. But before we close the show, we should go ahead and mention the folks who are in the chat with us tonight. We had Dan, KF5TQN. We had Don, KC9ZMY. Another Don, KB2YSI. We had Tony, K4XSS, which is his new call. His new call sign, yes. He used to be KM4HSD, but now I'm he's never going to work on CW. i just tell you that right now. <laughs> It's too, it's, it's too ditzy. It's too, <laughs> <laughs> it's too ditzy at the end there. Just, uh, uh, just a little bit know. like Tony, actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, we also had Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, and Darren, V-K-6-E-K. So, thanks, everybody, for tuning into the show tonight. We appreciate everybody being here and filling us up with information while we're sitting here doing the podcast. And... 
I don't think we can talk too much more about stuff. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. This has been our deep dive episode, episode number 349 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And we'll catch you next Monday when we do it all again. I'm Russ, K5TUX. Cheryl is wandering about the building somewhere. So uh, I'll say goodbye from her, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamper. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.